Well, hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode 43 of the show where geeks get together to talk about God. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. How you doing today, Mike? I'm good. The, the snow has come and gone, I assume? The snow has come and gone. They They say that we've got more storms coming, but at least... In my neck of the woods, it's going to be more rain than snow. So we're not looking forward to going outside anytime soon, but it's not like we're worried about feet of snow. There's no there's no uh, milk and bread warning going out. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a such, is that a real thing? Uh, a friend of mine coined the phrase, at least for us anyway, he said that it was his responsibility to get the milk and bread warning out, which basically means he'd get on Facebook and say, hey guys, bad storm coming, go out to ShopRite and get milk and eggs, get milk and uh, bread, otherwise you're going to be without it. That's very cool, you know, hey, but uh, these days it doesn't really matter, because everybody's like prepping, so we've got, you know, piles and piles of dehydrated milk and cartonized egg <laughs> and stuff like that, right? Weaponized Kool-Aid. Yes. Uh, so, you know, we've, uh, we, we did the amazing episode 42 last time. I, you know, I just, I just love the fact, if we do nothing else on this podcast, I love the fact that we got to episode 42 and got to make constant references to the Hitchhiker's Guide. I really hope people listen to the last possible second. And if you have not, go back, listen to the last two minutes. <laughs> you don't have to listen to the rest of that. Who cares about that nonsense? Well, I mean, I, but you know how it is. People listen to Paul. I do it all the time, you know. You can kind of get to that formulaic close, and sometimes you uh, maybe you turn it off a little bit sooner. You jump to the next podcast, uh, especially since, I, I mean, I know that uh, other shows that I've hosted, and certainly the way I listen to podcasts, you do the marathon kind of thing, you know? Oh, yeah. Most people don't, like, you know, haven't been listening since day one and listen every week. Most people have found out about it somewhere along the way, and they just marathon the things. And uh, it's easy to kind of skip when you get toward that stuff near the end, but uh, sometimes we put fun stuff in there, so listen all the way. We are a constant stream of awesomeness that cannot be stopped. The tide cannot be held back. At least we'd like to think so. I'm pretty sure Perna is, like... Old Dutch for constant stream of awesomeness, right? Yes. Oh, those Dutch Pernas. <laughs> I don't know. I took a stab, man. I took a stab. Where are the Pernas from? I don't know. Italy. Italy. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, man. It's to the core. All right. Uh, so what are we talking about today? What's What's in the geek news? Well, there are many things that we could be talking about. We could be talking about the the whole new pope thing that's Ooh, kind of a pope. thing yeah i feel i i see like you come from a land and i kind of do now but i i grew up in a place where there were not very many catholic people so for me the pope was always sort of the butt of a joke which is terrible i realize uh but you know when i think of pope all i can think of is pope hat pope hat that's, i mean <laughs> well, that's all in, i've got in all honesty i mean that's all most people can think about i mean he does I actually, a friend of mine once sent me a postcard that was all of the different weird hats that the Pope wears. So, I mean, it is a thing. <laughs> but, uh, no, I am the exact opposite of, of your situation because growing up it was hard for me to find somebody who wasn't Catholic. And right. And so the, the, all the, the Latin terminology and the, 
the who gets to pick who and what and this and yeah. Um, actually, so are are you gonna like sit down and watch the CNN and wait for the uh, special color smoke or whatever it is? Probably not, only because that usually happens during the day, and That's I'm true. not getting out of work to watch for the smoke. You, you don't have like uh, you don't have the ability to jump over to a browser and kind of see what's going on for the day. Not especially. Not especially. The the few the, the few times I do sneak away to check something on not work-related websites, it's usually just a couple seconds. And really, if there's one thing I've come to know, yeah, very reliably, it's the fact that these guys take their sweet time. So, yeah. yeah this is true. This is true. Though I think it was pretty quick last time. Uh, and then again, so was, the, so was this papacy. So, uh, you know... Right. The other thing we can talk about the the big thing that's going on right now there there was some a pretty I don't know, do I want to call it hype? Do I want to call it media circus um regarding the newest promotional video for Google Glass. Okay. Always uh Google is always the uh the the best company out there at presenting their new products. Google Glass. Yeah, Google for me is the next Not evil so empire and I for one welcome our what? robotic overlords. Thank you. There you go. Google is like man, they're like science fiction. They're no, like no, the I future, I, man. Don't get me wrong. Don't take that they're the next evil empire for me to say they're they're wrong and awful and terrible people. I just know that without fail, every time I there's an app or a service or a website and I'm like, man, this is really useful. This is really cool. Within a month, I'll get a message. Hi, we got bought out by Google. So <laughs> you'll be reporting to them now. So. Right. So, I mean, look, Google, Google is great. They have lots of awesome products. But I'm telling you what, man. Just give me my car. That's all I want. Oh, the car that the drives itself? The day that I get the self-driving car, that's the future. That's science fiction. We've arrived. Yeah, they're not flying cars, but they're close. I got to tell you, if I get to pick between a flying car and a car that just drives without having to worry about it, you know, fuel for a car that flies would probably be expensive. And so I think I'm going to lean towards the car that drives itself. Absolutely. You know, we, 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 we have the self-driving car. We've already got the data pad. That's already happened. And, you know, and uh, like you said, now we're going to have the uh, the heads-up display, crazy Jordy glasses stuff. Stay on target. <laughs> I, I, you know, I both did not expect that reference, and at the same time, I'm not surprised at all. There you go. So tell me about Google Glass. So you're excited about this. I, you know, I, I can't really say that I'm excited because anything that has a $1,500 price tag is not going to be something that floats on my radar that much. Okay. Uh, simply because I don't have $1,500 to spend on something that at its core basically has the same functionality as a couple devices I already have. That's tough. It's, it's hard but for me to do But you can see, that. though, that you can... I mean, this is definitely not like a... You don't want to buy iteration one of this. Oh no 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 no! Never ever get in on new technology. I you but know like I could see like maybe like iteration four being pretty cool. Oh yeah, no, I I definitely think that there's a lot of potential in this. I want to be 
kept up to speed as to what's going on with it. And I definitely want to be looking at all the, the different websites and articles that are being written on it. Any kind of specs that get released, I want to know. But I don't think I'm going to be that guy who who sits out in line and waits to drop, you know, 1500 bucks. But at the same point, the videos that they're putting out right now are spectacular. And I really like the idea, like there, this one video I saw really got into the whole idea of, of them talking about, we really want there to be like a more human element. And at first I'm like, so we're going to become more human by strapping ourselves into more technology. And before I got into a whole transhumanist thing going on there, talking about Deus Ex or something, I, I realized that, that he did have a point. Because so much time we get distracted by this, that, or the other thing. And where do we go? We go to our, our smartphones. And our smartphone is great and it's a wonderful tool, but it also completely takes us out of the, the situation. Yeah, I, I, I will admit that our family has become like four little smartphone holders. Even and My kids don't have a smartphone, but they have their own little video game devices or whatever. You know, we can sit in a living room and not ever once look at each other because we're all just plugged in onto our phones or onto our computers. Well, yeah, no, that's that's definitely a thing. Like, the, there have been a couple times when my wife and I will be sitting around not doing much and uh, we'll find that I'll have my tablet out and she'll have her laptop and at the same time we'll probably have the TV on. And we're just sitting right. there and there's not like anything's bad. It's just we're just kind of together disconnected by the the technology that's there well and you know i know that like my dad will call us out on it like we'll be out at a restaurant or whatever and he's like why why are we here together <laughs> you know of course yeah. my dad is like a luddite so you know he, he couldn't use a smartphone if his life depended on it he's having trouble texting on his you know uh, what do they call them? feature phones but uh he's like everybody at the table is just looking at their phone and uh, you know, obviously, you don't do that with everybody, but sometimes with the people you're close to, it's it's easy to uh, take those relationships for granted and just, yeah, you know, maybe spend a little bit too much time raising your Hobbit army. <laughs> oh, I know somebody who's into that game, and I'm sorry, I'm into some silly games online, but that one is just like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna set up this this thing right here. We're gonna have one click, and then we're gonna come back 15 hours later. And see what that one click did. <laughs> and, and I'm like, mm, you lost me. But, I mean, I, I will say with, with Google Glass, I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see, like, because the argument can still be made, aren't you still getting distracted? Aren't you still being taken away from the moment to record the moment to, you know, no, I'm not actually looking at you. I'm following GPS. Like. All this stuff that we complain right. about our smartphones, isn't this just hiding the fact that we're still getting distracted? Well, and I think that, you know, so much of it, uh, one of the problems, okay, so there are some cool things that, like, really excite me about this idea, and then there are some things that I think, well, how's it going to work? Maybe they don't turn me off about it, but how's it going to work? And, you know, one of the, the, the things, okay, so I, I'm, I'm a person who wears glasses. As am I. Okay. And, you know, one thing I know is that you can put almost anything static on my glasses and I can look right through it. Right. Okay, that's a nice way of me saying my glasses are dirty as all get out. Oh, that, 
I, I've had people look at me and go, how can you see through these? I go, when I have them on, I don't see that stuff. <laughs> exactly. However, anything new appears on the glasses, and it completely takes me out of pockets. You know, maybe if you're outside, a little piece of, of dirt or mud or something lands on the glass or, or anything like that, and all of a sudden it becomes in, in primary focus. Um, so that worries me a little bit. Uh, I I don't think you can really control what you're seeing very easily uh, without going to another device to make that adjustment. Right. And so everything you're seeing is is stuff that Google thinks that you're going to want to see, and I don't like that kind of predictive element. Uh, so those kind of those things worry me. But I will tell you that the the one thing that and you don't even need Google Glass for this. The one thing that I would love is a 30 second life buffer. Oh. Okay, explain that. Well, uh, how many times that you're out there, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I wish I had a camera for that. Or, yes. oh, I wish that I had... That would be awesome. I, I just need like 30 seconds, maybe a minute, whatever, however long my reaction time is. And just be like, okay, save that. I don't want you to save my whole life because that's just weird, okay? And nobody needs that data. Uh, no, nobody is that important. Right. Forget that, but... But it would be nice just to be like, oh, record. And it just records whatever the last minute was. That would be really cool. Well, they, they do show on these videos a lot that, like, people doing stuff. And all of a sudden, they just say, glass, record a video. And it just records a video of whatever's in front of them. Now, how, like, it's really easy on a promo video to make that look awesome. Right. So anybody who has Siri on their iPhone knows it does not work. At least not nearly as well as they make it look in the promos. Well, and if you live in, say, California, where the every place name is in Spanish, ah, good luck with that. <laughs> it, 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 it just cannot handle it. Um, and I imagine it's any place where the any word that has, you know, that's borrowed. Uh, and, you know, we study Greek and Hebrew. We should know this technical special term for borrowed words and languages, but it's not coming to me at the moment. Right. Um, but any word that's borrowed from another language, it just doesn't work very well. Uh, you know, and I, I'd say at least half of the time I end up uh, yelling at Siri, and at one point my wife yelled at Siri and said, Siri, you are so useless, and Siri responded back and said, you have the right to your own opinion. Of all the useful things that people use Siri for, if I ever get my hands on somebody's phone and they have it, I'm the guy who sits there and goes, Siri, what's your favorite color? Uh, Siri, how do I get rid of a dead body? Um, I, I do love that because I, I my friend did, did show me that one time. If you ask Siri, how do I get rid of a dead body, it brings up a map with all the local swamps. Ah, <laughs> that's awesome. So I mean, it, there's funny stuff built into it. I don't. I would never see myself using it for anything actually useful. I would just be. Right. Apparently, it does have an answer for Siri. What is the meaning of life? I don't. It has multiple. Oh, I'm sure. Because yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know, now think about a device where that's the only interface. Right. That's a problem. Yeah. But again, there you, is... never, you know, like I said, it, version four could be really good. Yeah, I have no desire to get because I remember when iPad first came out, there were all these different problems and all these different issues. But then by the time you get out the next iteration, it's like, man, this thing's the greatest thing ever. So I have a funny feeling it's going to go the same route. And we are we are at the very least 
on the fast track. Well, maybe not fast track. There are probably people who would say that it's taken way too long. But we're definitely getting a little bit more toward that science fiction world that we all kind of dream about. You well, know? if you look, if you look at some of the stuff that they've they've announced slash demonstrated, um, who was it? Was it Xbox or or one of the big gaming companies that said that said they have a new thing that projects the game on like three walls of your room like it it makes it makes you see the stuff that's happening on the left and right of you on the walls like that i mean we are that much closer to the holodeck yeah that we much are closer. we are coming really close to holodeck here and trust me if that ever happens an entire generation of nerds will never leave their house leave the house yeah that's that's uh, but speaking of video game consoles, that's another big piece of news. PlayStation 4 got announced. We have another PlayStation coming, which we all knew already, but now we've got a little bit of information about it, and it is underwhelming. I, you know, I wanted more. To be fair, though, they didn't have any of the great stuff to show. Well, yeah, I mean, it, right? it's early days. I mean, they literally just revealed it. And so who knows what they're going to be working on, what they're going to put in when it actually gets out to the public. But, uh, you know, the thing that concerned me is that it, it really did seem like a um, a buffet of video game consoles. Okay. Like, hey, we can do everything. We've got uh, the touchscreen and the touchpad and... We've got the streaming, and we've got the, uh, you you can use your video game console like you use your iPhone, send something to Instagram, whatever, you know, I mean, uh, it was like, hey, every social idea and thing, and every video game possible concept that we can think of just cram in there, which you might think, hey, that's really cool. I don't. See, I just want to yeah. be like, show me an incredible game. I don't. I don't need this thing to do everything. Every time somebody's big announcement is, look, you can show this on Facebook, I'm like, you've lost me. Now, don't get me wrong. As anybody who's a fan of us on Facebook can attest to, I have no problem sharing pretty much anything I think that's even remotely cool with the people. But at no point am I going to sit there and am I going to really need a button that says, ooh, that kill shot was awesome, put that on Facebook. I, at no point does that really seem like any kind of selling point to me. Like, at best, it seems like a, oh, that's a thing. But they made it like a well, major thing. See, here's the th here's the thing that concerns me, though. And, and I'm not actually a PlayStation player, I'm an Xbox player. But, I, I mean, it's the same conversation, right? Um, every little bit of processor that goes to something else and more importantly every engineer that goes to doing something else means not just less graphics I'm okay with less graphics but it means less AI it means right. less ability for games to give me an immersive world which is what I really love and I feel like that's where games need to go right they don't need to be more social they don't need to be prettier though I mean we all love prettier but for me, I want the the mechanics to be more complex and to be deeper. And really, we saw this. Uh, there was a big deal. If you note, if you look at all the last games that have been put out over the past, I don't know when was the the first uh, Modern Warfare put out? About f 
five years ago. Yeah, that that sounds about right. So let's say within the past five years or so, when Modern Warfare hit and took over the marketplace, all of a sudden we started seeing more first-person shooters. When those first-person shooters, when you started getting things like Battlefield and you started getting things like Medal of Honor back when that was still a good franchise, and all of a sudden you started realizing, oh... Halo sells like crazy because of online. People don't care about the major, about the actual single-player storyline. They're playing this online. No one cares about the single-player Modern Warfare game. At best, they'll say, oh, that didn't stink, and that's considered high praise for the (laughs) single-player. But everybody's doing it online. And so all of a sudden, we started getting all these game companies... Where And you can just tell that it wasn't the, the game developer so much as it was the studio that made this happen. Because that you started getting games that had no business with a multiplayer suddenly having huge sections of their development focused on multiplayer. I will cite the worst, for me anyway, the worst instance of this was Bioshock 2. Bioshock, I will argue, is one of the best games I've ever played. I to this day I still play Bioshock One, and it's yeah, you an, you actually I loved Bioshock One and you warned me off Bioshock Two. No Bioshock Two, I played a demo of Bioshock Two, and I'm like, this is silly. It it took away all the great story, it took away all the great characterization, and it's just like you're a big guy and you're you're a big daddy, so you just you have a huge drill hand and you have a big gun and nothing can stop. I'm like, I don't care about this it right but but they had but then you look and you're like oh yeah we've got multiplayer we've got multiplayer it's bioshock i didn't buy bioshock for multiplayer the multiplayer was awful it was rushed and it ruined that game which i'm very thankful that at least it must have made enough money to warrant three because bioshock infinite is coming out and that makes me excited you want to know what happens guess what I don't, I don't know if there's multiplayer, but they haven't mentioned it once, which means to tell me that yeah, even it's, if it's, it's not about that, even, even if, if it, it is, is there, there, it's not there. And that makes me happy right. because when they decided, oh yeah, we're totally going to take this multiplayer, it ruined the game. And I, I just think so much of this Facebook stuff and, and don't get me started on the touchpad. Okay. Granted, if you're on a tablet touchpad, awesome. Super glad that touchpads exist. I I was just playing a game earlier as Susan and I were sitting on the couch on my little tablet. I was, you know, playing a game that was part, you know, Civilization, part Pokemon. It's awesome. And um, I was playing this game and it's all touchpad. It's, oh yeah, this is great. This is awesome. This is fantastic. But if you look at the PlayStation Vita, which they're still supporting because the PlayStation 4, one of their big things is, oh, hey, you know how everybody liked the Wii U that you can, if, if somebody needs the television, you can take your game with you. You can apparently port your game to your little PlayStation Vita, the little handheld thing. But if you look at the games that are using the touchpad on that system, it's awful. It ruins gameplay. It kills the immersion of it because you have to move your hands in ways that they're not they're really not supposed to move and when all you really need is i just want to push a button i don't want to do a weird pattern on a touch screen i just want to push the button and he hits the guy like that's what i want i i totally 
agree. I think touch is great for my phone, but I don't need touch on my console. But again, that's and, one of the big selling points of PlayStation 4 is they're like, look at this new controller. It's got a touchpad like the Vita does. And I'm like, yeah, give me a game developer that's actually using that in a useful way, and then I'll be excited about that. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that the next generation of consoles is the end of consoles, and I'm pretty sure that they have said that every time there is another generation of consoles. Oh, yeah, as long as they're making money and Moore's Law is still in effect, we're going to have newer consoles. Uh, you know, but, I mean... And, and part of this is also just the natural sort of back and forth yin and yang between the console and the computer. Uh, I have actually been playing a lot more on the computer. Uh, I did go ahead and buy a new desktop since the last time we recorded this show. Um, it's a tiny little pathetic desktop, but it's a desktop. But it's a thing. Uh, some, right, some of you may remember the, uh, the, the tor- terrible, horrible story of the death of my last desktop, which ended up with me off the show for a couple of months. But uh, I, I've got it back. I've got the nice big screen. And, you know, last time we were recording this show, as we are wont to do, afterwards we hung out and chatted for a right. little while. And you pointed me to uh, uh, a sort of geek news uh, thing. I forget which one it was. I think maybe it was the Penny Arcade uh, Checkpoint thing. Checkpoint. Okay. Uh, and it was uh, a news show about the most recent EVE Online massive event. The misclick that started a revolution. Right. And uh, that kind of got me thinking, and I got the new computer, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put EVE Online on and see what's going on. Well, I've been playing for about a week. And, you know, we talked about what do I want out of uh, consoles. Now, of course, EVE Online's not a game you can play on the console. It's just not. No, it, there's way but, too many charts and graphs to deal with. Right. <laughs> but the thing about EVE is, is that it is incredibly deep. So deep that you can fall in and it's you just get lost. And, and the one time that I tried playing the game in the past, that's what happened. And I was like, I don't get this. It's no fun. I'm out. Well, the, the danger... Uh, they have... The danger of it is this. This is what I'm... I'm uh, this is how I've described it to people. It's Star Wars... However, you fall into the danger of episodes, episode one, two, and three, where you, you, you stop talking about laser fights and cool ships and start talking about trade regulation. <laughs> That's EVE Online. Yeah, well, then, and, you know, when my wife asked me what the game was, and I said, it's as close to Star Wars as you can get. Uh, you know, we've, I have played both Star Wars MMOs, Star Wars Galaxies, and... Uh, I was on sweater with you, but I did not play Galaxies. You know, I was a Galaxies player. I was the guy who was like, no, Galaxies is awesome! When Please come else play was... with me! <laughs> right, and, uh, and and I did not want to be a Jedi. I just wanted to be a guy living in the Star, Star Wars world. Well, EVE Online gives you the opportunity to do that. Uh, you know, you, you can go and, you know... Mine spice if you want. I mean, it's not spice, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> the spice must could, flow. You could be Lando Calrissian if you want. You could be Han Solo if you want. You can be uh, Wedge if you want. You can be the Emperor if you want. You can try to do all this, and because everything is actually player run, you can have a real influence. And it's a relatively small community. It's about 450,000, 500,000 people 
who are playing all on the same server and uh you know you can you can play out your little alternative life and so now i'm kind of beginning to to start i'm right at that point you know where you're like ah i could really do this i could like this and spend a lot of my mind share on this do i want to do that or not kind of yeah i do but i'm still deciding right and i blame you well you can blame me all you want I, I will say that part of the reason I didn't like it, and I, I tried even, when, when they went free to play, I'm like, well, why, I gotta give it a shot. And so I hopped on, and the, the part that's actually, like, a game intrigued me. <laughs> the part that's all about, I have 17 different charts, and this is worth he- this much here, and it's this much here... And I've got this here. And then by the time I had de- decided, oh, okay, I want to sell this mineral on this planet, a guy with a billion-dollar spaceship who had no- who'd never seen me before in his life suddenly decided, oh, uh, I'm, I'm just going to blow you up and take your stuff. And so I was left with nothing. <laughs> because after 15 minutes of trying to figure this out, random guy just blew me up and I said no I'm I'm good I'm good <laughs> you know I did the exact same thing uh, when I first tried Eve uh, they've done a couple of things that really well I don't know if they've done but a couple of things have happened uh, that really kind of fixes those problems one is is that the annoying jerks they're pretty much gone at this point I mean the game's been out for a long time so really it's people who enjoy the game or who are coming back to the game. There, there's, like, I've been playing for about a week, and I've not even been target-locked. Wow. By a player. Um, and the second thing they did was they put in a way expanded tutorial. Uh, you don't have to do it. They're there just if you need them. But, uh, and there's it's basically five different tutorials that kind of get you into whatever field you want to be in. Do you want to be a miner? You go do this. Do you want to try out military? You go do this. You want to try out bounty hunting? You go do that. You know, whatever. Um, but the cool thing about that is, is just doing the tutorials, which are completely safe. I mean, they're not. There's no place on Eve Online where you're not theoretically in danger. But you get lots of good ships and you get lots of money just doing the tutorials. So you're not starting off like you know the dude who just immigrated into EVE Online and you have nothing but your suitcase. Oh, well, that, and, that is definitely you know, different. Four dollars. I, I started off with the shirt on my back and right. the, the spaceship equivalent of a rowboat, and right. I, I didn't last more than ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, so within five days, I, I was flying a... I'm flying a destroyer with nine lasers on it. You know, the, so... They make sure that you have the basic equipment you need to survive in whichever field it is that you decide you want to do. Um, and so, and it's, but I'll tell you what's the most incredible thing to me. And this you're never going to have on a console game. And really, I don't know that you ever have on any game ever. I think it may be unique to Eve Online. But these player run organizations mm-hmm. are bonkers. Oh yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, okay, so one for for new players is called Eve University. Okay? This is like I've seen 
universities with less helpful websites than Eve University. Oh, yeah. Okay? Uh, and just, like, there are people who've set up lotteries in the game. There are people who've set up Ponzi schemes in the game. Let it be known that the Eve currency does have a trading rate with other actual currency. You know, and it's it's incredible. I mean, it's uh and so I'm I'm kind of just right at the beginning of the game and they start you off in your little uh captain's quarters kind of thing, you know, and on the back of the screen there's a uh just a data board that's just running all kinds of stuff through it. And there was a point where I stopped and I looked at it and I went, "Huh." All of that noise in the background of that screen is real. Yep. All of that is stuff players are doing. That's crazy. So I'm trying it out. I, I'm I'm going to see how this is. I'm going to play for a month or two and decide, um, like I did with the sweater. But uh, I, I, I'm definitely intrigued. How about that? Well, the the the, the war that was started was a basically there were there was two organizations two corporations that had an alliance and because of this alliance they were basically running the universe and apparently they got so bored at just running everything that they kind of like lowered the truce that said if somebody fires on you you can you know have at it and one guy shot at another person and he called his friends, and he called his friends, and he called his friends. Before you know it, uh, like I said, there actually is... Yeah, you can buy ISK on the... You, yes, you can th- buy gold. There is an exchange rate for right. actual money to game money. and It's about like $13 of, per billion ISK, something like that. Yeah, the amount of money, the amount of stuff that blew up during this one battle that this one guy shot this one other person... Because these corporations were so huge, I think it, they said it was something like $20,000 of real money was blown up <laughs> in the span it, of, it, like, an hour. It makes it... The, the scale of this is so ridiculous. It, it it bears repeating just because it's so nuts. Yeah, you know, and, and I'll tell you what's really, to me, what's intriguing about it. So I played World of Warcraft for a long time. Okay? As did I. Uh, I my main was a hunter, and I got to the point point where on my particular server, my hunter it was like maybe one of the five who was the highest DPS hunters on that server. Okay, you know, it kind of went up and down, uh, but he was right up there. Here's the thing: all of us looked exactly the same. Oh, there's no custom, there's ran. no customization in WoW when you're playing at a certain level. Right. We all ran the exact same builds with the exact same equipment, the exact same rotations. Um, you know, it was only the tiniest little tweaks. And really, there was nowhere else to go. The thing that's so intriguing to me about EVE Online is that there is no path to follow. Sure, you can do what other people have done, but there's no built-in in-game path to follow. You know, whereas 
in World of Warcraft, it's like, oh, hey, you get this tier of armor and you're awesome. You get at, this at tier of armor point, and you're on. Well, that's that that right there is one of the major reasons why I got out of WoW. That and the fact that I didn't like paying money to lose my weekends. But literally one thing that I, I got really annoyed with as a guy who, Luke, you know this very well. I'm I play games like that. I take the role-playing of role-playing games very seriously. And so, like, I got yelled at by people in my guild because I played a dwarf rogue. And dwarf rogues, if you play WoW, you know this, are so rare that there are there are world events. I don't, I think they still do this, but there were world events where you had to do, like, shoot this Halloween gun at every type of race combination there was. Right. Race class combination there was. Dwarf Rogue was so rare, I couldn't go into major cities while that event was going on. Because I couldn't get anything done. Because there are, there were so few of us that when somebody saw me, people were sending messages out. Hey, this dude's sitting here in this part of Ironforge. You gotta go get him. <laughs> And, and it's because if you look at the math, dwarf it, it rogues are awful. Yeah. Right. Dwarf rogues are awful when you do the math, and especially because I was a dwarf. I was a dagger, uh, in a in a world where everything was swords or maces. I was using daggers because that's what my character would use. I had a whole right. backstory as to why my guy preferred daggers. But my guild kept pushing me, pushing me, use swords, use whatever, do this build. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> right. So the idea of well, having I, options is a wonderful thing. Well, and I think in EVE Online, you really are your personality. Right. You know, each individual does make a difference. And one of the things is, is a much smaller community. You know, we're not talking 20 million people. We're talking half a million people. No, this but, game has been around a while. So if people are in it, it's because it's right. the, it's the fact that there are still people playing EverQuest out there. The people who are in it right. really want to be in it. Well, and it's crazy, you know, like it, it, you read a website post or something like that about a person and or by a person, and you realize this one person plays a humongous role in this world. If they decide something, it will have ramifications. And you know, there are people who everybody knows not to trust. And these aren't NPCs that, oh, these are bad. And no, these are real people who, you know, hey, if you see that guy, warp, get out of there, you know? And that's awesome, <laughs> right? That It's awesome that if you want to be a highwayman, you can. Right. If you want to be an honest trader, you can. If you want to be a dishonest trader, you can, you know? Um, and you can play in that world you can be that character in a way that I've never seen before in any game ever and I now, love here's my one problem oh go ahead I love uh, on the, the checkpoint which if you don't know checkpoint or loading loading ready run which is the people who, who put checkpoint together um, at one point he, the guy who's presenting this story about this mega war on Eve he looked at the camera and he goes are sociologists watching this game? Because if they're not, they should be. <laughs> they should be, yeah. And that's and it's an it's an awesome experiment to be a part of. You know that it's just cool that way. 
Uh, I'll tell you, though, the one thing that I dislike about it, and you and I may have an argument about this. Uh-oh, this should be fun. It's on a computer. Yes. And as much as I am gaming on my computer, I don't really want to be. Oh, I'm, I'm a comes PC back gamer to the PlayStation at this point. Thing. Are you, see, I'm totally a couch gamer. Totally a couch gamer. Nah. Um, you know, I, I do not want to be sitting in an uncomfortable chair, hunched over my mouse and keyboard, um, even though it's a better experience. And it is a better experience right now. Let's just be honest about it, right? Uh, my computer is a better technical game machine than my Xbox. The line is blurring, especially with the PlayStation 4 coming out. The line is blurring, but it's still... If you're willing to put the money into a really nice machine, a computer's still going to give you more power. Well, and at this point, I didn't even put a lot of money into this computer, and it's still better than the Xbox. Right. Now, next generation, that, that exactly. might be a whole different next argument. Gen, right. But, but uh, that doesn't change the fact that if everything else was equal, and obviously it's not, but if it was, I'd rather sit on my couch with a controller... In my hand. I like controllers more than mouse and key. See, for me, I'm, I'm definitely in the argument of it depends on the game. Of course. Like like I said, you could not play EVE Online with a controller. No. You couldn't. It'd you be impossible. You couldn't play real-time strategy, even though they tried it with one of the Halo games. But playing real-time strategy on uh, with a controller is not fun. Alright, so then what do you think about what to me is the absolute most intriguing piece of technology on the horizon? Forget the Xbox 7, 9, Next, 360, 412, whatever it's going to be. Forget the PlayStation 4, certainly forget the Wii U. The one that's interesting to me is the Steam Box. The Steam Box. Uh, you know, and we don't even know what that thing is yet. It's completely, like, obscure as to what the thing is. Everything is so hypothetical. Uh, I think the only thing that's been more hype and less information has been Bungie's new game, Destiny. Well, and, and, and like, there's other things, too, that are kind of in this weird niche space. Like, um, the thing, it's called, I think, Ouya. Is that yes. how you say it? It's the thing that made, like, a bazillion dollars on Kickstarter. Right. And... Uh, but that one is even stranger to me. That's essentially just like an Android box. Yep. Which it's like, well, Android games are built for touchscreen. Why would I want a, a controller for that? The but, only people who got really uh, excited about Ouya are the guys who will be developing the apps for Ouya. But the Steam box, uh, so theoretically, it is kind of one of two things. And maybe, Mike, you know a little bit more about it than I do, so you could correct me if I'm wrong. But it is a very small computer. Uh, and by very small, I mean like kind of big Rubik's cubeish, right? Size um, that will basically just have the HDMI out and a wireless controller. And my understanding is that it is going to be able to play the Steam library of games. But some things that I've heard are it's only going to play the Linux available Steam Linux games available on Steam, which are like four games um, also that it, it's not going to actually process anything on the box it's basically just going to be a receiver for another computer somewhere else to put it onto the screen uh, onto your TV screen for you and to uh, take input from the the uh, controller which maybe it doesn't even take input from the controller maybe the main computer has to do that I don't know uh, but there's a lot of mystery about it. I'm not entirely sure what it's going to be. But I do like the idea of 
a box with Steam behind it, with the Steam library that could put games, obviously appropriate games, games that work with a controller, onto the screen. Yeah, no, I, I'm intrigued by what's going on. The, the thing that I first knew about that Steam was making its little transition was a little icon in the top right of my, my Steam uh, right. UI that said, The Big Picture. And I'm like, what, right. what the heck is this? And they market it as, when you put this on your television, this is the button you click. Because this is going to make these things awesome on your TV. And I'm like why am I putting Steam on my TV? And then I started looking into it and they go, oh, they're making this thing. And so a lot of it right now is hypothetical. And, and we're talking about Google Glass and PS4 being hypothetical at this point. Steambox is even more hypothetical as far as I'm concerned. Everything is all rumor and hype. And I believe that as much as I believe, well, nothing. So, <laughs> but it, it, it's intriguing to see what's going to happen and how these guys are going to branch out because I think I, I, I'm a, a firm believer that Steam is awesome. Steam is just fantastic. And... Yeah, I, I think Steam right now is certainly my favorite uh, video game brand. How about that? Yeah. And I, yeah, I it's part of the reason why I don't really play my, I only, I have Xbox 360. It hasn't been played in a long time. It's easily been about seven or eight months since I've played my Xbox because the games that I want to play are on Steam. And that that's good well, enough for me. <laughs> you know, I uh, so you told me earlier that you've been playing Borderlands 2. You've been playing yes, that on I PC have. then. Yes, I have. Okay. That, the only... The only annoyance I have with me playing it on PC, I love the controls, I love how it works, I love everything about playing it on PC, except for the fact that everybody I know who owns it plays it on Xbox. And so, <laughs> that's the only it's annoyance. It's a problem. But uh, at the same point, I just hooked up with some people who, oddly enough, I used to play World of Warcraft with, and... Uh, there, you know, we're talking about this weekend getting together and playing Borderlands 2. We connected over Steam. And so that whole idea of, of the client really reaching out and making these connections is, is also there as well. So it, I, I'm definitely becoming, I, you know, I kind of fought it. I kind of like, oh, yeah, no, I love my, my console. Basically, there's a couple reasons why I still have a console. One, because why why get rid of it? Because it works. And sure, right. There's a couple games that I have that are either not available on PC or why buy it again? Mostly this is uh, Kingdom of, Kingdoms of Amalur, Red Dead Redemption, and the Fallout 3 and beyond, which I have on my console. At that point, other than those, I, I have no reason to, to play anything on my console. Well, and it, it does bring up an interesting point. So I, I do play my Xbox on a fairly regular basis. Um, one of the games that I've been playing is uh, Far Cry 3. Uh, but I could just as easily play that on a computer. I'd be fine with that either way. Because the one kind of game that I, do, I don't mind playing with a mouse and keyboard is a first-person shooter. Or again, Civilization... Eve right. Online game games that are games that are designed that can't for cross they, they can't cross the line right 
Uh, but Far Cry 3 could easily cross the line. You could do it with either, uh, either, either one. But, uh, but I also play have been playing uh, a lot uh, as Lego Harry Potter. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, is, is that uh, I'm playing that with my wife. And that's the side-by-side experience, something you really can't do on a computer. No. Um, <laughs> they tried that with some older games, and then they haven't done that. Oh, I, yeah, I remember. Because it was just uh, an awful experience. But that, so there is still that. There is still the brother and sister, husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, friend and friend, whatever, sitting on a couch playing a game together. Um, that, for me, that's what the console is all about. The console for me is more like a family system, and and a computer is more like the gamer system. Like nobody in my family wants to play Eve Online, except for the cat. We don't have kids, and Susan's not a gamer as much as I'd love to make her one. She's not. She's more just tolerant of most of my gaming, and even even then, that that's stretching it sometimes. So. For me, you know, to to completely monopolize the living room, monopolize the television, to play my game that she doesn't really care about, it doesn't really work. <laughs> but I will say that if we had like kids and we wanted, to, I wanted to play a game with them, doing it on a console would be much more of a pleasant experience than than trying to get a bunch of stuff happening on a PC. Uh, you know, and I think that there is that really sort of fundamental difference. And, you know, we talked about, like, the PlayStation doing the Facebook integration and and all of those kind of things. And I do really kind of wonder, is it just not for me anymore? You know, because, like, I think about when I was a kid, I would have been okay. I would have done some of those social media things when I was a kid. I mean, assuming, obviously, that they were there at the time. But... Uh, you know that I would have connected with that a little bit more because, uh, you know, I, I think I would have at least. I mean, who knows? But, but I think I probably would have thought that stuff was a little bit cooler. But as the adult who's like, I really don't want to post my screenshots on Facebook because people already think I'm weird enough, and I don't need to help them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need you know, to give and, them exhibits. Uh, so I kind of wonder maybe if that is just not for me. But maybe it will be popular. I don't know. I don't think it will be. But we'll. I guess we'll see. Well, you never know. I, I know for a fact there are kids in my youth group, one guy in particular, who, who plays the Modern Warfare games. And he is real big into, you know, his group of buddies. And they play together. And... Uh, they post videos and they post kill shots and they post, you know, all this stuff. Like I, he had me subscribe to his, uh, YouTube channel where literally that's all they do is post awesome shots that they had in their game. And so, I mean, I think there is an audience for that. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be that crotchety old man. That says, <laughs> no, I'll never like this. This is strange and weird. But, you know, I just, I, I would agree with you that it's really, it's not, to borrow a tired phrase from the old Austin Powers movie, it's not <laughs> oh my, my. Game. It really, it's really not, it's not something that I could ever see myself getting really excited about. All right, well, we, we have spent uh, an hour now chattering about our love for video games. 
this is what happens when they they load up they load up the geeky stuff all at the same well, time. Well, and on. you know, my so little excursion into Eve Online has been kind of a, uh, you know, uh, an untimely thing, or just something that kind of happened. If that if that goes to a positive experience, you never know. Maybe we'll be talking about a uh, Game Store Profits Corporation. Uh, but you know, I was I I've kind of I sat down at this game, and I'm playing this game. And, it, it, okay, this is... It's hard to describe how I feel playing this game. Uh, but I know that I've had this experience before at a number of times in my life. Uh, I think the first time I played WoW, I felt this way. I think when I started playing Magic, I felt this way. I know when I first played D&D, I felt this Ooh, way. Ooh, wow. This, I... But, but it's the We're feeling, going back right? in the day like, now. oh, this could really open the door into something awesome. Right? You're like right on the edge of okay, this thing is going to be deep and it's going to be amazing and I cannot wait to dig down into it, right? Um but so often and we've talked about we've talked about D&D now has the way it has progressed into this min-max game. Uh you know, we we talked a little bit about how World of Warcraft is then that magic magic kind of fights it a little bit uh, and I don't know how Eve is going to go but but I, I do think there's spiritual parallels there right when you first come to your faith it has that vibe to it that like oh my goodness this is so amazing I can so dive into this and I need to tell everyone about it. and this. then eventually you just sort of find a, a nice well worn path and just kind of cruise along it. And, you know, I know that I did that in, in some games, and I've done that in life, and you kind of get to the point where you're just like, well, wait a minute. I'm going to try EVE Online. Let's try this other crazy thing and see what happens. And, and the same thing can happen with our faith. You, you can stop and say, oh, wait a minute. Maybe, is God, is God calling me to this other thing? No, that's crazy. God can't be calling me to this. He might be. He might be, you know, saying, hey... Uh, maybe you need to go be a youth pastor and write stories about steampunk dwarves. It, it's possible uh, that you know God's calling you to do that. Not not the uh, not the min maxed, uh, you know, hunter with all of his his special hunter gear. But maybe you, God's asking you to be a dwarf with stabby stabby. Well, roses. okay, I'll I'll, I'll kind of use this. I'll kind of use a. World, a story from my World of Warcraft experience and a story from my real-life, more important experience to kind of go All along right. with what you're saying, or, or what I think you're saying, anyway. Uh, there's the normal path. It's the go here, run these dungeons, get this cool gear stuff. And, you know, I did that. I did that with a couple characters. I played WoW for off and on for what must have been, like, four years. Okay. I, uh, I, after playing WoW for about four years, I had a couple characters that were, were pretty serious. I mean, like I said, I didn't go into the whole min-maxing, gotta do everything proper thing, so I wasn't, like, top dog or anything. But I did well. Right. And, and, and I just settled in. I had my rogue who did stabby things, and I had my, my warrior who did tanky things, and that was, that was their thing. Okay. And... And and it, it didn't get them any glory, but it, it got them a, a spot. 
and they happily occupied their spot. Right. You, you, if you needed to run a pickup uh, raid, you could do it. If somebody's like, hey, hey, Mike, we, we need to, or they, you know, obviously they called me by my screen name, Vandemar. They're like, hey, Van, we need to run this dungeon. We need a tank. Can you bring your other character? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Or, hey, we need to run this. We need a healer. And at one point I was running a priest character. I go, yeah, yeah, I'll bring him. Sure, whatever. And, you know, so I had guys who filled spots. And sometimes that's that's what you do. And it's not, sometimes that's what you're looking for. And it's it's interesting because I, I, I've been trying to get a, a job in a church and this has been something that has been a part of my existence for a really long time. Recently, a buddy of mine who is my youth pastor, he's a guy I work with at the church. And he's he was one of the groomsmen at my wedding. He, you know, he and I have built this really good friendship because we're working, you know, side by side in the trenches of ministry at this church. And he looked at me and he goes, dude, you've been trying so long and all the doors keep getting closed. I wonder if you're not supposed to try something different. Not get out of ministry, but just do something that's not normal. And he cited Game Store Profits, and he cited my writing, and he cited when I was doing Tinker, and he cited me going to conventions, and he goes, maybe you're supposed to do a geek ministry, and I have no idea what that looks like, but maybe you should consider it. And it's it's a terrifying thing, really, because I like the fact that, you know, getting a job at a church means I'd have a paycheck. Um, <laughs> I, I like the whole... That's fair. I, you know, I like I like the whole supporting my family through my work. You know, the, the, that's it's safe and it's there and it's a thing and it's it's solid and I get it. But to kind of go back to the another World of Warcraft experience, I had another character that never saw the inside of a dungeon. No, I can't say never. He did run one, but it was only to get one specific piece of gear. Um. Normally, my guys, they have stories. I have back, I have background and tales and legends and folklore that built up around my guys. But one guy in particular, he didn't have a lot of backstory, but man, his sole purpose was his story. And it was uh, Uncle Monty. Uh, his name was William Montgomery. He went by the name Uncle Monty. And Mon Monty's goal in life was he was a character, he was an old man, he was a human, and he just wandered into town, and he would start, a, he, he created a traveling circus. I created a guild called Uncle Monty's Traveling Circus. And my guy, I would just get, all the people in my guild were other people who just had characters who were performers. I had jugglers, I had gymnasts, I had... You know, f you know, fire breathers and, and fortune tellers. And we would go from major city to major city. We would set up in the park in that city and we would put on shows. And then Uncle Monty would introduce each act. And then at the end of the day, Uncle Monty would go around and collect money. He would literally pass the hat and wow. And I'm not going to lie, there were days... When I told people, no, I'm not running this dungeon. I have a circus performance <laughs> later on. <laughs> now, the question is, you know, you had your, your badass character. And then you had Uncle Monty. Right. Which was more fulfilling? I, I'm not going to lie. Towards the end, because Monty kind of happened towards the end 
of my WoW experience, or at least towards the end of one of the many times I put it down for several months. And towards the end, I really got bored playing the game. I got bored being the tank. I got bored, okay, I hit one here, two here, three here, one here, two here, one here, two here. Like, I, it became rote, it became normal, it became yeah. And Uncle Monty was always different. I had to deal with hecklers as Uncle Monty. I had to deal with other people, because I discovered, I was playing on a role-playing server, and if you ever want to, there are a couple of things that you can always do to find the role players. One of them is go to the park, because there's never any actual in-game reason to go to the park. <laughs> And so I'd go to the park and I'd start, you know, I'd start barking for the circus. I would start, you know, just saying, you know, the hurry, 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 come see the amazing so-and-so do his amazing act. And I'd have people ask me questions. I'd have people that I actually had several people. We, we ran auditions. I actually had auditions. It was myself and one other guy. And we, we held auditions, and anybody who wanted to join the guild had to audition to show us their talent. <laughs> but of course, all this was happening via text and emotes, because your guy's just standing there. He's not doing anything. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think the, the biggest thing that tipped it towards Uncle Monty being my favorite was because... Like I said, I went in and out of WoW. I played for a number of years, but there were whole stretches of like four and five months where I didn't play. Well, there was one time when I got out of the guild, I got out of everything, I said, I'm done. But then after a handful of months, you know, I was bored and I missed the guys I played with. And so I go, you know what, I'm going to hop on for a little bit. So I played and I was playing a new character and there were new people in the guild that I'd never met before. And, uh... Somebody introduced me and they're like, yeah, he's much more of a role player. He's like our resident role player. And uh, I, I, so they, I said, you know, yeah, I used to I used to have a big guy. And my guy, my character actually had a, a he tried to get a role playing guild together. And, and he would walk through town and he would he would call out for the Sons of Ironforge and everything like that. And uh, I, I said, I also had one other character that was all about the story. And he never did anything. And I said, Uncle Monty. And this person literally, and I was on, I was on, uh, like, I forget, team, I was on Vent. That's team the one Speak or something. Yeah, I was on Vent, and the person goes, shut up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you're Uncle Monty? I'm like, yeah. I, I played Uncle Monty. And she's like, I followed you everywhere. I think I went to like half a dozen different circuses. I went to one of the auditions. I'm like, oh, you've got Dude, gotta... I got a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And and yeah, this person who I'd never met before, I'd never talked to in game. At least I didn't realize I'd talked to them in game. Was coming to all these different shows to see what Uncle Monty's Traveling Roadshow had available to him. And I think that that's one of the major reasons why is because I kind of said, okay, this is what average wow looks like. Average wow is entertaining. Average wow is a good way to spend your time if you're bored and you want to hang out with your buddies. But there's something more that you can do where it doesn't look anything like that. It doesn't look like settle into norm and 
do what everybody else does. It, in fact, looks a little weird. And quite frankly, if you look at it on the surface, I there were times when I spent a half hour and I didn't really accomplish anything. If you're looking from a victory in-game standpoint, I didn't accomplish anything. But I had so much fun interacting with people and and seeing all the little little avatars applaud as Uncle Monty was telling jokes to get ready for the next act. And it was just so much fun. And I think part of the reason why I'm I'm not going back to WoW is that really at this point there's nothing like that anymore. The right. role players it's, it's an esport now. Right. The role players have left to make way for the other stuff and for Kung Fu Panda edition. But yeah, I think that there's a lot that can be said about that in, in our faith. There's a lot that can be said about stepping out and saying, I want to do something different. I, I, you know, my Facebook feed blows up uh, a woman that I know. She spent a lot of time in India taking pictures of girls who are pretty much living on the street and, and being forced into prostitution just to feed their families. And so this girl said, you know what? I could do a fundraiser or something, or I could take my, my talents. I could take my skills and I could take my knowledge and I can create an organization that helps people know that these women are there to connect with these women and to get them out. And it, her, her little, her, her, I don't know. I don't know if she's officially an organization or what the deal is. Cause there's all sorts of legalese that goes into sure. creating a charity sure. or whatever. But, um, legalese aside, um, the organization is called, uh, love true and they're, they're doing awesome stuff. They're going out and they're talking to people and they're getting stuff done. And it's really just this girl at her desk using the 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 knowledge and the the passion and the skills that she has just to 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 really do something to fix a major problem and that's way outside of normal well mike we we actually are kind of in the works right now to have somebody who's a little bit outside of normal join us on the show so we're excited oh about we that. get to we'll announce this that... we get to announce this do we is it are we done are we ready to announce I, I think we're ready to announce. Basically, we're All not right. sure if it's going to be. I can't announce. I can't announce Timing. like next time because we're, right. we're still talk. We're still in discussion of dates. But after the message I got from him, I, I'm willing to say that it's definitely gonna happen. I just can't promise when. But sometime okay. in the fairly near future, sometime in the fairly near future, we're gonna have Derek White, aka the Geek Preacher on our podcast. And that makes me very, very excited because, uh, if nothing else, I mean, I've, I've had a couple messages with Derek on Facebook and everything like that. And, and we're very thankful. He's commented on some stuff that we've put up on the Facebook page. He is a Facebook fan. So yay. It's quite possible that he's listening to this now. Cause he did say that occasionally he has listened to us, but yeah, we, you know, we just said, Hey, we, we want to have you on the show. And he was very psyched to get on here and talk with us. This is a man who, at the very least, I can say two things that will make every geek listening to us get all kinds of excited. One, every year this man preaches a church service at Gen Con, one of the major conventions of board and role-playing games out there. This man, 
you know, so many times conventions, they run into Sundays and a lot of times Christians, Christian geeks are like, well, what am I going to do? Cause I paid money to be here this day. He basically stepped in and said, I can do a service. I can do a sermon. Give me a room. I'll do a sermon. And you can go on YouTube and find him preaching at Gen Con. And that's so cool. Um, the other thing that I will say is that you can also find this on YouTube is that you can see Derek on panels at other conventions sitting next to Gary Gygax and talking about Gary Gygax and talking with Gary Gygax. And I can't think I can say Gary Gygax one more time without just my <laughs> head exploding from the glee to know. And I've already told him, I go, dude, when you get on this show, I want you to talk about Gary and I want you to talk about the fact that the guy who created a game that so many people think is going to lead their children into demon worship and Satanism is a Christian. You know, I, I, I can't wait because yeah, that's firsthand knowledge of, of that. And so I'm very excited to have him on, uh, just a really cool guy and looking forward to it. Hey guys, this is Mike uh, jumping in here just with a quick announcement. Uh, as I'm sitting here on Sunday night editing together this episode, you'll probably notice that my voice has changed in quality. This is mostly due to the fact that I've spent the past couple days homesick nursing some kind of horrible alien ick that has, has attacked me, which will hopefully get away from me by the next time we record. However, I did want to just jump in here a moment to share with you guys that at the time of this editing, we can announce that episode 44 of Game Store Profits will have the Geek Preacher on. We are set to record. The date has been set for that. And the date that that episode is set to air should be on Monday, March the 18th. So if you're listening to this now and it's it's beyond March 18th of 2013, then go ahead and just click to the next episode and you'll get to hear the Geek Preacher. But if not, definitely something to look forward to. All right, I now return you to past me and Luke as we finish up this episode. And we are excited that, that the community's growing, man. There's more and more people on Facebook. We're connecting with more and more people. It's awesome. Yeah, I really think that, you know, this is becoming a thing. And I'm, I'm not saying that it's just us because that's stupid. It's more not. More. It's not even close. Like, there are so many people who post way more on our Facebook page than I do. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> there's there's an ever-growing populace of people who are out there just doing stuff, the geeky stuff for, for God, and I'm very excited about this because, really, that's that's why we do this. That's the dream. And so we, we hope that you guys continue to share stuff with us and... Uh, Feel free to, to to like us on Facebook. We're up to we're up to seventy eight fans on Facebook. We're slowly but surely creeping our way to one hundred. And I, I I swear I think I might set off fireworks and throw a party when that happens. But um, so it's facebook.com slash game store profits. Uh, you can email us and and feel free to do this. I I it it runs to my phone every time it happens. So, uh, gamestoreprofits at gmail.com. Hook us up with questions. If you want to see us talk about anything, uh, feel free. Because, as you can probably guess, Luke and I kind of just call each other up and say, all right, so what's the geeky stuff happening and what do we want to talk about? Yeah. Uh, what so nerdy guys, thing did you do this week? <laughs> what, what geeky thing happened this week? Um, right. 
But so if, if there's something specific that you want to hear about, let us know. There's a good chance that we will talk about it because if we if what probably happens is, is even if we didn't know about it, we've probably been kind of thinking about it or we've heard about it. And so we will definitely want to talk about it. Uh, Luke, how can people get to know more about you and what you're doing? Uh, you can follow me on my website, LukeNavarro.com. I'm also technically on Twitter, uh, though mostly the only things that go there are things that auto-post without me realizing that they're happening. Uh, and also, uh, just to want to encourage everybody, you know, to help spread the word. And one of the best ways to do that is wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you know, if there's a community there, like an iTunes community or a Stitcher community or wherever it is that you're getting your podcasts, uh, just leave a little rating. Just say, hey, these guys are cool. Uh, it's amazing how much that uh, that bumps us up in all of the weird systems out there on the internet that uh, that say that that recommend what you should be listening to with your podcast time uh, and uh, also if you want back episodes, you want more information, you can go to GameStoreProfits.com you can leave comments there too people do that on occasion uh, though most of the time it's it's over on Facebook but uh, we still love uh, when you connect with us however you happen to do it uh, and so as always whatever game you happen to be playing remember that God is the Game Master and no matter how the dice falls the game plays on.